My name's Greg Knapp. This is the Greg Knapp Experience, your 20-minute thrill ride for your commute or your workout. Can we ever have 912 unity again in America? The 9-11 Memorial, one of them, defaced at a university, and a professor at another university blames America. <laughs> That's great. Did Biden give approval for a terrorist drone attack in Afghanistan that actually killed an aid worker and seven children? Dr. Fauci lying about natural immunity to COVID from surviving COVID, and wait till you hear what's going on at the border. All that and more coming up in this episode of the Greg Knapp Experience. Let's go. All right, so I'm I'm watching all these things like you were on 9-11, and I'm getting sad, and I'm getting mad, and I'm going through memory lane, and and I'm remembering about the 9-12 unity. I was on the air doing a radio show in the morning on 9-11 when the first plane hit. I got off the air, the second plane hit. I, I mean, vivid memories like you have of exactly where I was, what I was doing. I go back on the air. I'm on the air for eight hours a day for a couple weeks after 9-11, just talking about everything that's going on. And, and part of what was going on is America became unified, remember? So I jotted down some of my memories and notes and just things I was thinking about and why did we have such great unity? Well, because we were attacked, right? So we, we rallied around the goodness and, yes, the exceptionalism of America. Now, Greg, America's not exceptional. Yes, America's exceptional. And it's because of the founding documents, the idea of America, the idea that you are endowed by a creator with certain inalienable rights. And among them are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness— no person, no government, no king, no Congress, no judge can take away those rights because they didn't give you those rights. We had uh, the Constitution that limited the federal government. They gave the rights to the people and the states that were not enumerated in there. We had an amendment of the Bill of Rights that once again told the government what it could not do to the people. It was never done before in the history of the planet and really has never been done as well since. That is why America is exceptional. That doesn't mean America is perfect. It doesn't mean there aren't flaws. It doesn't mean that we don't have a pro and con ledger of what happened in the United States of America. Of course, we have horrible sins in our past. But compared to what other country? Compared to what other country? They never talk about compared to what and how far we have come and how we're continuing to strive for that more perfect union based on these amazing documents that said all men, which means all people, created equally. So yeah, we rallied around that. We never said we were perfect, but as a, there is no country or people who are, right? But we sure were a lot better than a radical Islamo-fascist ideology that decided it was fun and fine and great to kill 3,000, almost 3,000 innocent Americans. People that were burned to death, people who were crushed to death, people who jumped out of buildings because they were on fire. So at that point, 9-12, it didn't matter what your politics or religion or race or gender or sexual orientation was. It was 9-12. You were an American. You were not a hyphenated American. You were an American. And you were proud of it. And you know what? You were pissed. And that faded quickly, didn't it? I mean, it faded all too quickly. Because much of the media and some of the country began to blame America for the attack. And started to warn us that the biggest danger was not another terrorist attack, but oh, watch out, maybe we will become Islamophobic. You realize there are still way more attacks, hate attacks, on Jews in America than there are Muslims in America. I don't want anybody attacked for any reason. But the idea that that was the biggest worry after 9-11 was insane. 
I'm actually really proud of America for how few Americans decided that all Muslims were to blame for it. So can we ever have 912 unity again? And that's the question I was asking myself over the weekend. And the problem is we don't all agree on really anything anymore. The things that we used to unite around. I mean, the far left, the media, a lot of the Democrats, but I repeat myself, they don't even believe in the Declaration of Independence or the Constitution or the Bill of Rights. The First Amendment, do, does everyone in America believe that you have free speech? Oh, except for hate speech. And who gets to define hate speech? Which, by the way, that's the whole reason you need the First Amendment. We're not talking about actions. We're talking about speech. How about freedom of the press? Well, yeah, we believe in freedom of the press, but that guy's spreading disinformation. So he gets canceled or he gets shut up or he gets shut down based on whose definition? The left's. How about freedom of religion? Well, yeah, you can have freedom of religion, but that guy has to work at your church or this person has to create a cake for a certain event. No, we don't all agree even on things like that. What about the Second Amendment? Oh, no, there's nothing in there that says you have the right to defend yourself. That's what it was all about. How about states' rights, the Tenth Amendment? Well, when Trump was in office, we need states' rights. But now that Biden's in office, the states don't have the right to do anything. We're going to get those governors out of the way if they get in our way on COVID. Mm-hmm. So we can't even agree that America was ever great, let alone make America great again. They want you to believe that it actually means that people want us to go back to slavery, which is, again, insane. So how do we unite? Well, we can't even agree on that. We can't agree America was ever great. We can't agree in American exceptionalism. We can't agree that patriotism isn't racist. So, and now instead of debating ideas and, and then having a beer together, we now shout people down. We call them names. We dox them. We cancel them. Sometimes we even physically attack them. So how do we ever have 12... 912, unity again. Like I said, I've thought a lot about it. I've been writing this stuff. For me, the only answer to that is, for me, is I follow Jesus. And Jesus said, you love all people. You pray for all people. You pray for your enemies. And that's the only way that you can get through the disagreements. And you can do that. You can, you can love and pray for people you totally disagree with. And not think that you have to be mortal enemies who cancel each other. To me, that's our only chance. Love your comments on that. Oh, speaking of patriotism, Toby Keith, you remember he wrote, Courtesy of the red, white, and blue. You know, the angry American. Well, he tweeted out, 20th anniversary 9-11. Let's all gather our families together and pray that God will keep us safe for the rest of our lives and forever here in the United States of America. We all know where we were during 9-11, and the impact it had on this world. Let's never forget, always remember, stay vigilant, and never apologize for being patriotic. Godspeed. Can we cancel Toby Keith? He said patriotism was good. He wrote a mean song that everyone agreed with until, you know, years later. I still think it's a great song. It's a great song. Beckett Adams had a great piece talking about how left-wing ideologues couldn't even give the anniversary of September 11th, 20 years later, a break from their craziness. NBC News historian Michael Beschloss. All of us should be able to unite around the idea that we're saving our democracy, referring to the passengers who rushed the hijackers on September 11th. Good. That's what those people were doing. Those heroes were doing on Flight 93 and elsewhere 20 years ago tomorrow. Our democracy tonight 
is as much in danger, I think, as it was in 1860 before the Civil War and in 1940 before Pearl Harbor. Why? Well, he's referring to January 6th. Oh, my word. The right to vote is being taken away from people in various states. That's a lie. That's just a flat-out lie. They're not taking away the right to vote. They're making sure that people who are not supposed to vote because it would be illegal are not voting. The legitimacy of elections is being undermined. Why does he so hard on Hillary Clinton? I mean, Hillary Clinton said that the election was a fraud. You know, I mean, oh, he's talking about Trump. <laughs> and he goes on and on. Washington Post columnist and host Jonathan Capehart declared, quote, I think MAGA and the domestic terror threat is much more worrisome than any foreign threat we could face. Well, then you're an idiot. Greg, what? Don't call people names. I'm sorry, but I mean, what else can you say about that? To compare January 6th to September 11th? Look, January 6th, I've said uh, it was wrong. Um, the people there should not have gotten violent. They should not have rushed the police officers. They should not have broken in to the building. But you're comparing January 6th to September 11th? January 6th, not a single person was killed by the protesters. The only person killed on January 6th was a police officer who shot Ashley Babbitt, who was one of the protesters, turned rioters. Yeah, I would say that was a riot to break in like that. And, and people who broke in, people who vandalized, people who got violent should be prosecuted. But if you look at the prosecutions compared to what happened on all these riots throughout America that some are still going on in places like Portland, it's it's crazy. And I, I love how um, Beckett Adams goes into the details on this. Said, look, Trump supporters, Benjamin Phillips and Kevin Greeson died of natural causes. Trump supporter Rosalind Boyland, whom initial reports claimed was crushed to death by a pro-Trump mob, died of a drug overdose. Capitol Hill police officer Brian Sicknick, whose death was originally attributed to injuries suffered during the riot when they said that the Trump supporters bashed him in the head with a fire extinguisher, proved to not be true. He suffered two strokes after the protest and died of natural causes, according to the medical examiner. And yeah, January 6th was bad. Ashley Babbitt was killed. Hundreds were injured. Rioters cost thousands of dollars in damage. But you're going to compare that to the political terrorism of 9-11, where almost 3,000 Americans lost their lives? No. Washington Post Jennifer Rubin. The 1-6 terrorists breached a building the 9-11 terrorists could not. Both the terrorists sought to destroy our democracy. And former Florida Democratic candidate Pam Keith, on 1-6-2021 and 9-11-2001, ceased being the worst thing that happened to America in my lifetime. So she's saying what happened on 1-6 is worse. It's really weird and painful to process and say that, but it's the truth. And quite frankly, it's not even close. What? January 6th wasn't even the worst attack on the Capitol building. 1915, there was a Capitol bombing. 1954, Puerto Rican nationalist terrorists were on the floor of the house and shooting at people. 1971, the Weather Underground bombed it. The 1983 M19 bombing. So there's also the fact that the Capitol building was widely believed to have been the intended target of Flight United 93 that thankfully heroic Americans stopped. And these idiots are trying to compare that to January 6th? Wow. Meanwhile, speaking of 9-11, when you thought everybody was, you know, commemorating the 20th anniversary of the worst terror attack in America ever, a student senator at Washington University in St. Louis decided to remove American flags from a 9-11 memorial display put up by the college Republicans. The Young Americans for Freedom videotaped this guy. 
You can see the guy, he's, he's walking around, he gathered up all the American flags, he put them in trash bags, see-through trash bags. He's holding them, they go up to him, and he tells them he's not doing anything wrong and leave him alone. They put up 2,977 flags, one for each American life lost that day, killed that day, tragically taken that day by the terrorists. So the Washington University officials did finally condemn the removal of the flags, but didn't say whether he would be punished or not. I bet he's not. His name is Fidel Alkalani, Vice President of Finance for the Student Union. I did not violate any university or legal policy. Now go away. He bragged about it on Twitter. He wanted to protest against American imperialism and the lives lost as a result of post-9-11 war. He tried to do it Friday night, and the cops stopped him. On his Instagram page, he included a link to his bio giving his side of the story. He says he's a target of a massive harassment campaign. Yeah, see, he's, he's the victim. He's the victim. Yeah, he said, I, didn't, I had no intention of taking the flags from the memorial. My full protest didn't have the chance to be actualized. So what he wanted to do was he wanted to be able to steal all these flags in trash bags and then put them on the mud field there at Washington University and then put his statistics up related to the human cost of 9-11 in the past 20 years. And, you know, talk about how horrible America is. Dude, that is not your protest. That is you destroying someone else's protest. You go do your own protest. Absolutely, you have a right to do that. These guys were trying to commemorate the American lives lost, and all you want to do is blame America, and you're the victim. I bet he won't get punished at all. Now, if, if you'd had a conservative person in the student union vice presidency of finance, and he did something to, to destroy a liberal protest or memorial, oh, he'd probably be expelled. But oh, that's different, Greg. It's different. And then we go to the professors. It's not just the students. How about this one at Syracuse University? Dr. Jen Jackson, professor of political science, of all things. She claimed Friday the 9-11 terrorist attacks were an attack on the heteropatriarchal capitalistic systems that white Americans fight to protect. Oy, oy. These are the people teaching your kids. These are the people you're spending thousands of dollars, no, tens of thousands a year to send them to so they can be indoctrinated by this left-wing claptrap. Jackson's website biography, you ready? Jen M. Jackson, they, them, is a queer, gender-flux, androgynous black woman, an abolitionist, a lover of all black people, and an assistant professor at Syracuse University in the Department of Political Science. Oh, boy. Uh, sorry, I mean, oh, girl. Uh, sorry, I mean, oh, them. She published a, uh, sorry, them, she, them, published a series of tweets Friday. No, sorry, she. Okay, uh, look, I, I believe in science. That vocalized her problems with how white pundits and correspondents talk about 9-11. We have to be more honest about what 9-11 was and what it wasn't. It was an attack on the heteropatriarchal capitalistic systems that America relies upon to wrangle other countries into passivity. It was an attack on the systems many white Americans fight to protect. We have to be clear that the same motivations that animated America's hypervigilance and responsiveness to, quote, terror, end quote, after 9-11 are now motivating the state and anti-immigration policy. This is who's teaching your kids. Wait a second. No, it was not an attack on systems. It was an attack on people. It was an attack on the American way of life. It was an attack on the idea that all men are created equal. It was an attack on the, the rights we have for everyone in this country. It was an attack on everything that America stands for. And it was terror. You don't have to put it in scare quotes. It's scary enough. That's the whole point of terror. 
Oh, man, I can't believe that these are the people teaching political science to our children, which is why we're in the political science nightmare that we're living through right now. And then, meanwhile, back in Afghanistan, the Taliban decided on 9-11, hey, let's fly the Taliban flag now at the Afghan presidency, and let's tweet about it. Let's put up some, some really cool social media posts. Let's inaugurate our government on 9-11. But, you know, it has nothing to do with the 20th anniversary of 9-11, except that's exactly what it's all about. The Taliban painted their banner, painted their banner on the entry gate to the U.S. Embassy as well. Way to go, Biden! mistaken Pentagon, Pentagon drone attack. New York Times reporting on this big. It's being picked up everywhere. Wall Street Journal, I thought their editorial was great on it. Did the Biden administration mistakenly kill 10 innocents, including seven children, as it rushed to the Afghanistan exit last month? August 29, U.S. missile blew up a car the Pentagon had been following as the U.S. evacuation was nearing its end. General Milley, called it a righteous strike. President Biden mentioned drone strikes as evidence that we were hitting back against ISIS special case, snap, crackle, pop, for the suicide bomber who killed 13 Americans. The problem is they still haven't told us who they killed in those attacks. And this attack that they claim had a secondary explosion to prove that it was the right hit, the New York Times said as they continue to investigate, there's no evidence of any secondary explosion. The New York Times and the Washington Post said it actually killed Zamari Ahmadi, a longtime employee of the U.S. nonprofit Nutrition and Education International. He actually wanted to emigrate to the U.S. He had been getting water because there was no clean water anymore for home. And that's what he was bringing back to his neighborhood. He stopped during the day at the nonprofit office, not an ISIS safe house. The missile that killed him exploded in a crowded neighborhood. The dead included children who approached the car when it backed into a courtyard. Here's the thing. It's really tough to go after terrorists and do it well when you don't have any assets on the ground, when you don't have any real-time intelligence, when we're just doing it over the horizon. The only thing over the horizon about the Biden administration is, woohoo, a little bit up here, you know what I'm saying? A little touched in the head if you watch his press conferences. Over the horizon does not give you the capabilities that Biden keeps trying to claim it does. And we're seeing it now. We're seeing it now. So who's going to be in trouble for this? General Milley? President Biden? Anybody really think there's going to be an investigation to see exactly who approved it, exactly what the intel was, and exactly who was killed? Yeah, play, pull this leg and it plays jingle bells. Taliban spokesperson, though. Don't worry, it's a kinder, gentler Taliban now. The Taliban spokesperson was in an interview with Tolo News talking about women. I'm sure he said nice things. What did he say here? A woman can't be a minister. It is like you put something on her neck that she can't carry. It's not necessary for women to be in the cabinet. They should give birth. Women, <laughs> sorry, I can't, it's hard to even get through this. Women protesters can't represent all women in Afghanistan. The interviewer interjected. Women are half of the society. The spokesperson, but we do not consider them half. What kind of half? The women protesting in the streets. They do not represent the women of Afghanistan. The women of Afghanistan are those who give birth to the people of Afghanistan. Educate them on Islamic ethics. He called the protesting women prostitutes. <laughs> That's nice. But remember, America's bad. I mean, look at those Texas Republicans. They passed a law to save the lives of unborn babies with a harpy. I mean, they passed a law that that would take away women's rights to, to kill babies in the womb that have a heartbeat. I mean, they're horrible. It's like the Handmaiden's Tale. We don't worry about Afghanistan. Look what's going on right in Texas. U.S. State Department says we cannot process special immigrant visas right now. <laughs> wait, wait, what? 
we're getting everybody out. Jim Garrity has a reader who sent him an email he got from the State Department as he was trying to get people with special uh, immigration visas out. Here's what our State Department wrote. The U.S. Embassy in Kabul suspended operations on August 31, 2021. While the U.S. government has withdrawn its personnel from Kabul, we will continue to assist U.S. citizens and their families. While we're currently unable to provide counselor services for immigrant visas, including special immigrant visas, in Afghanistan, we are developing processing alternatives so we can continue to deliver this important service. And then it urges you to see the U.N. if you need extra help. Eh, the U.N. Speaking of the U.N., Deborah Lyons is the U.N. Special Envoy to Afghanistan, and she said, Our people are having to deal with threats, harassment, and they're fearing for their lives. Just the news reporting. <clears throat> Quote from Deborah Lyons, We will continue to do everything possible to support our staff and keep them from harm's way. The U.N. cannot conduct its work, work that is so essential to the Afghan people, if its personnel are subjected to intimidation, fear for their lives, and cannot move freely. State Department might want to take another look at whether you should call the U.N. if you're in trouble. Dr. Fauci was asked about an Israeli study that showed natural immunity after you get COVID actually keeps you safe from COVID even more than vaccines, 13 times more effective. And here's what Dr. Fauci said to Sanjay Gupta. That's a really good point, Sanjay. I don't have a firm answer for you on that. Now, there's no way that Fauci doesn't know that this study showed that your natural immunity is better than vaccines. There's no way he doesn't know that's what the science said. He doesn't care because he wants to push what he wants, which is mass mandates and vaccine mandates. He's all in on what Biden is doing. So he's lying to you. He lied to you about masks at the beginning. He lied to you about... Uh, what, oh, oh! about the percentage of vaccinations we would need to get the herd immunity. He admits he made those lies. And now he's lying to you again. He went on to say the one thing that the paper from Israel didn't tell you is whether or not, as high as the protection is with natural infection, what's the durability compared to the durability of the vaccine? Again, that's a lie. Because the study actually said vaccinated people had 13 times the risk of infection that those with natural immunity did. So it goes right to vaccine protection versus natural immunity. And, and actually, it showed it more. Here's what it said. Quote, this analysis demonstrated that natural immunity affords longer lasting and stronger protection against infection, symptomatic disease, and hospitalization due to the Delta variant compared to the two-dose vaccine-induced immunity. It's right there. It's another lie. But remember, trust the experts. <laughs> They're the ones telling you the truth. Everybody else is giving you misinformation. Andrew McCarthy, former federal prosecutor, talks about how Biden knows that his vax mandates are unconstitutional, but he doesn't care. That's a violation of your oath of office, by the way. It's impeachable. You swear to uphold the Constitution, and you're out there issuing decrees that you know undermine the Constitution, that are a workaround. Remember the White House uh, chief of staff out there, Ron Klein, retweeting a progressive commentator's observation that the whole thing is a workaround, the ultimate workaround. The Constitution is not something you work around. It's something you're supposed to uphold. OSHA trying to evade the Administrative Procedure Act requirement of regulatory commentary period by slamming the vaccine dictate through as an emergency testing standard. Last time they tried, that was 1983, and it didn't work. And Congress has no overreaching public health authority to do this either. Interstate Commerce Clause and or whether Congress tried to do it, neither one is here. It's just like the eviction mandate that the Biden people knew was unconstitutional and they rammed it through anyway and the Supreme Court got rid of it. And here's the thing, Biden didn't care. 
because he needed a political win with his base. The progressives, the media, the celebrities, a lot of the Democrats, but I repeat myself, they even they were mad about what happened in Afghanistan. So, hey, let's go back to COVID. I know my people are pro-mask. My base is pro-vaccine mandate. Let's ram that through. We'll get Afghanistan off the front page. I'll get a couple good hits and attaboys for my people. Maybe my poll numbers will go up a little bit. Whether it's unconstitutional or not, who cares? I mean, it'll take a long time to go through the courts and maybe we'll get some of this done and we'll get people to say that I tried, you know, on my side. So so who really cares? Uh, if you go back in time just a little bit, Tom Elliott does a good job pulling these quotes. When Biden was candidate Biden, he told Americans he wasn't even sure Americans should take a vaccine because of President Trump. And then he said, as he was elected, that he didn't think vaccines should be mandatory. No, I don't think it should be mandatory. I wouldn't demand it to be mandatory. That was in December. Dr. Fauci, you don't want a mandate and try and force anyone to take a vaccine. We've never done that. That was earlier this year. Biden's press secretary, Jen Psaki. Our interest is very simple. From the federal government, which is Americans' privacy and rights should be protected. Mandating vaccinations is not the role of the federal government. And on and on. But now it's different because we need some political points. Members of Congress and staff, though, of course, are exempt from the Biden vaccine mandate. Well, see, they're not part of the executive branch. They're the legislative branch. And then, of course, the judicial branch and those people over there. They're not subject to this. Only you little people that work for companies of 100 people or more. Yeah, I mean, we don't, we don't have to do what you say. No. Oh, and there's a upstate New York hospital that's going to have to pause the delivery of babies due to the maternity unit workers quitting their jobs. Why? Because Andrew Cuomo has announced the state is implementing a vaccine mandate for all healthcare workers, and they don't want it, so they're resigning. Lewis County General Hospital, Louisville, New York. Oh, that's all right. We'll, we'll hire some people who are willing to. 27% of the hospital employees are unvaccinated against COVID-19. Healthcare workers. Well, they're all just stupid listening to misinformation and they're crazy. Or maybe they have another reason they don't want to be vaccinated. Hey, I'm vaccinated. I just don't think I have the right to force you to be. And finally, Democratic Representative Henry Cuellar down in Texas has been very upset about what's going on at the border because his, his, uh, his area, his constituents are being overrun by illegal aliens coming through. This is an Hispanic man. He doesn't hate Hispanic people. He's just saying we actually need to enforce our laws because it's really, really hurting our community. He posted a tweet on the new numbers coming across for August. It's a drop. It's good. A drop from the 212,672 they had in July, the highest monthly total in 21 years, according to Julio Rosas. But the other way to look at it is 195,000 encounters at the border of illegal aliens. That would be the highest monthly total in 21 years, except for the month before. The official figures show the total encounters for the fiscal year through July, 1.3 million. You put in another 195,000 for the month of August, you'd be at 1.5 million. If there are just 175,000 encounters at the border this month, we'd be at 1.7 million encounters for this fiscal year, the highest total ever recorded. But no, it's not a crisis. Biden had nothing to do with it. Hey, you know what, though? I got some good news, America. President Biden is breaking records. My name's Greg Knapp. This is the Greg Knapp Experience. (laughs) 